This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. Last year, President Donald Trump declared a national emergency and pulled funds from other government accounts to help construct portions of a border wall. In January, the administration reached a milestone of 100 miles on the construction. Then last month, the Department of Homeland Security waived 10 contracting laws that will allow another 17 miles of the border wall to be built more quickly in the states of California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. The DHS said in a statement, quote, under the president's leadership, we are building more wall faster than ever before. Obviously, the Trump administration building the wall along the southern border is much more than just a campaign rally chant. It's serious business. The topic of immigration has been in the news recently because of a bill sponsored in the House of Representatives called the New Way Forward Act. Fox News commentator Tucker Carlson said on his program that the bill, quote, fundamentally inverts every assumption you have about America. Under this legislation, the criminals are the victims, unquote. The border crisis has struck a nerve as evidenced by the fever pitch of the debate on news talk shows. What is this raw nerve? And what is really happening at the border? In 2019, two respected Christian leaders, Sam Rodriguez and Dr. James Dobson, traveled to the border to see the situation for themselves. Upon returning, they tried as best they could to get out the word of what they saw, which differs from the leftist view often presented in the media. I highlighted their visits in my new book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election. Dobson, of course, is the venerated evangelical leader. He visited the border at McAllen, Texas, at the invitation of the White House. Then he sent out a widely circulated letter to his constituents. Dobson said that his heart aches for those caught up in the debacle at the border. He wrote, quote, Lest I be misunderstood, Let me make clear that I am among the majority of Americans who want the border to be closed to those who attempt to enter illegally. There has to be a better solution than this. I have wondered, with you, why the authorities don't just deny these refugees access to the nations. Can't they just send them back to their places of origin? The answer I received was no, for a variety of reasons that I'll explain. First, only 10% of the detainees are Mexicans. This year alone, people have come across our southern border from 127 countries, including Bangladesh, Pakistan, Turkey, India, China, Albania, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and other nations around the world. They speak their native tongues, which means they can't be understood by each other or the staff. What are we to do with them? The Mexican government will not take them back, and there's nowhere to send them. Our current laws do not permit us to repatriate them to their country of origin. This is a disaster with no solution or projected conclusion. Then Dobson makes this profound point about what will happen if we do nothing. Their numbers will soon overwhelm the culture as we have known it, and they could bankrupt the nation. America has been widely generous and caring country since its founding. That is our Christian nature. But in this instance, we have met a worldwide wave of poverty that will take us down if we don't deal with it. 
and it won't take long for the inevitable consequences to happen, unquote. Newly promoted Border Patrol leader Raul Ortiz is also offering a unique vantage point for what we're seeing at our southern border. Deputy Chief Ortiz's career has spanned nearly 30 years. He joined the agency when there were only 5,000 agents and is now second-in-command, leading more than 22,000 agents. Part of his mission is to make sure an accurate tale of what is happening at the border wall is told. Quote, I think what a lot of people don't really understand is that the agents are willing to put their life on the line to make sure somebody else makes it home to a family. And we do that with very little regard for our own safety because we know it's the right thing to do, he explained. As leaders such as Dobson and officials like Ortiz speak out, the truth about the situation is becoming better understood as well as the risks of allowing this flood of immigration to continue. In my new book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, I devote an entire chapter to what God believes about borders. There are many scriptures about what the Bible says about nations and also about the foreigner in the land, and I go into this in depth. But I also talk about different issues. One of them is with a source that I've become friends with named Mike Sabka, who I met in St. Augustine, Florida. He is a native of Venezuela. He's lived in this country for many years. And I sought him out to find out what has happened in Venezuela. And it really began as a porous border between Venezuela and Colombia, which was having a terrible civil war. And thousands upon thousands of Colombians fled to Venezuela, which at one time was the most prosperous country in South America. They surrounded the big cities with ghettos, let's say, and did not really incorporate into Venezuelan culture. And over time, because they were so poor, looked to the government more and more. And so when Chavez ran for office, these poor people actually put him over the top. Once he was in, and he was a communist, he suspended the Constitution, he confiscated the guns, he did all kinds of things that began the downward spiral to where Venezuela is today. It is a total catastrophe. Not long ago, I read that their inflation was 10 million percent, which is hard for me to even grapple with. I've read and heard news reports that the average Venezuelan has lost a lot of weight while those at the top have actually gained weight because they're the ones who get the food. And Mike Sabka told me that this could actually happen in America. I believe that it would probably be a slower decline, but it would inevitably happen, especially if we vote in a socialist. Venezuela, by the way, or at least this is what he told me, patterned its constitution after the United States, but yet this happened. We can't let it happen here. That's why it's very important that we re-elect Donald Trump in November. And that's why I wrote my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 Election, Why He Must Win, and What's at Stake for Christians If He Loses. I hope you'll pick up a copy. You can buy it at Walmart, Sam's, Barnes & Noble, Costco, BJ's, as well as a lot of grocery store chains, and also at nearly every Christian bookstore. You can get it online of course, at Amazon.com. But, you know, a lot of people don't like to support Amazon.com because of some of the things they stand for, and they would rather go to a Christian website like ChristianBooks.com. Barnes & Noble also sells it. 
And we have our own website. It's called GodTrump2020.com. That's GodTrump2020.com. And if you buy it from us, you'll get a signed copy from me. But I like to encourage people to uh, support retail. A lot of people are sad to see the decline of Christian bookstores and like to shop there to buy a book. That's a good motivation. Some people prefer one chain over another. This is a good way to support those who carry my book and who are trying to support what we do, so we support them in return. I hope you'll pick up a copy, and when you do, I hope you will leave a review on Amazon.com. I think that's very important, and I'm going to start encouraging people to do that. Tune in tomorrow. I have some more information about what's going on in the country, specifically the coronavirus. And the podcasts I've done on the coronavirus have had huge response, partly because people share them with friends. So if you agree with what I discussed today regarding the border, please post it on social media, forward this to friends, share it. I'd appreciate that. So until tomorrow, this is Stephen Strang. Thank you for listening to my podcast today on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you.